Um, there was a really great quote in a book I read called uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he was talking about someone making healthier decisions. And the person just made the, the decision that they were going to ask themselves every opportunity of a roadblock they had, they would ask the question, is this a decision a healthy person would make or a non-healthy person would make, right? Should I stay up and watch another episode of Netflix? Is that a decision someone who's healthy would make or is that a decision someone who's not healthy would make? Oh, well, someone who's wanting to be healthier would probably go to bed instead of watching another episode of Netflix. Oh, if I want to... Um, I'm trying to lose some body fat because I, you know, I want to whatever. And then it turns into um, figuring out like what strategies have worked for you and what haven't worked for you. Right. And having that question, having that dialogue with yourself, being willing to go through the experience of like, Oh shit, that was really hard. Maybe I'm not quite ready for it, but then being able to pull back and say, you know what? All right. At least I know what I'm getting into over there. I may not be ready for it today. I'm not ready to start tracking my macros today, but you know what? I'm, I want to be healthier. Welcome to the Movement Code Podcast, where we help you decode movement, health, and lifestyle so that you can expand and grow. Hey guys, my name is Antonio Gurley, your host for the Movement Code Podcast. I am a father, husband, business owner, rehab practitioner, and coach. Information overload has paralyzed many of us, and we are overwhelmed with good intentions and don't know what or who to trust. We aim to provide you clarity and confidence by bringing you expert advice for the everyday person. Thanks for spending some time with me today and enjoy the episode. All right, guys. Welcome back. Movement Code Podcast. I'm your host, Antonio. Today on the episode, we have Sam Pogue joining us. Sam has been involved in the health and fitness community for a number of years now. Um, I came across Sam from some mutual friends who worked with him over at True Coach, his previous employer. Now he's off doing his own thing, which is great. Uh, I'm excited to see what he has coming out in the future. If if you're if you're not a business owner, this is still going to apply to you. I know most of what we've talked about so more, so far is for the everyday person, for the consumer. But we get into a little bit of business talk, um, just because I had some questions that come up, and he has uh, a, uh, his a background in business development and branding, etc. But as you will soon learn when you listen to the episode, there's a lot of carryover into how we approach and think about business, as we should with just our our everyday kind of approach towards health and fitness. You know, we want to oftentimes draw this line in the sand saying that you need to do this differently just because you're doing that or whatever that might be. But really, how we approach a lot of things comes down to our mindset and just the direction and, and kind of our goals, etc. So there's a lot of great carryover there. Um, before we get started, I just wanted to come out with, uh, with, with one ask for you guys to do prior to this. Sorry, I'm going to say two. As always, subscribe. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Please give us your feedback. We'd love to hear what's working well for you, what you're enjoying. Um, and obviously, by you subscribing, you'll get these episodes uh, just posted to whatever platform you enjoy listening at. Now, the second ask, the real ask of the day, is I want I want to actually have you guys reach out to me directly, whether that would be through social media, whether that would be my email, which is info at enhancedmovements.com. But I want to know what are the major roadblocks for you as it pertains to your health, fitness, and lifestyle? What are the things that's making it challenging for you to reach goals? What are the things that you struggle with? Is it a resource issue? Is it a time issue? Is it a lack of knowledge issue? You know, those are just a couple examples. I'm, I'm really curious what this is because I want to be able to 
I want to be able to generate better better episodes for you guys, better conversations around what are the most or what are the main pain points or sticking points uh, for you. So I'll give you an idea. For me, at this point in time, I don't want to say it's a time, I don't want to say it's a time issue. It's more of a for most of us, it's always going to be time. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna gather ninety percent of the ninety percent of the the comments that are coming are going to be time. But for me, it's really just it's. I'll back up. It is time for me. It's me not being efficient with my time. That's the biggest thing. But it's the balance of being able to do the things that I need to do in our businesses, as well as give the time that that my family needs for me and the kids while fitting that in. So with that, and you've heard me talk about this numerous times before, we have these seasons of life training, right? So at this point in time, with our third kiddo being only six months, my training sessions are not what they used to be. My focus is to get in five to six days a week, five to six days a week where I'm sweating for at least 10 minutes. So 10 minutes might be like some mobility, some stretching, whatever, and then I'll get into it and get another 10 minutes. So if I got like a 20 minute session, man, I am stoked about that because I got it in. There are many days where just, you know, if I don't get it in in the morning or whatever that is, and I don't structure my day appropriately, it doesn't happen or it doesn't happen until late. And then it's just not nearly as effective. So that's mine. That's mine. It might be different for all of you, but we all know time is a big thing and time is the thing that most of us struggle with. But that being said, how can we make our time more efficient? So is it, is it an efficiency with time? Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna alter mine and say it's more of me being more time efficient, efficient with the time that I have to get the tasks and the things that I need to get done so I can do the things that I want to do, which is the training to be with my family. So I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say. So uh, please reach out to me and let me know what those are. Uh, that's enough of me rambling. Enjoy the episode with Sam Polk. All right, guys, welcome back. Movement Code Podcast. Uh, today on the episode, we have Sam Pogue with us. Uh, he has quite an extensive background in the fitness industry, and I'm going to let him go through an introduction crash course of uh, his quite lengthy, uh, I guess, resume. I don't know what you would necessarily call it, but his experience, and then we'll get into some good questions for you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate being able to come on here and share and, and help uh, add value to your community. You know, my, my journey into fitness is one that isn't typical, but I think it helps resonate with people who didn't don't associate with being fitness people either in that, like I played sports growing up and, and I was active, but I wasn't like a, I need to go work out, right? I travel a lot for work and, and I'm not the type that wants to get off the airplane. I need to go get a run in. Like if I get off the airplane at 8 p.m., I'm not hitting a treadmill. I'm grabbing a glass of wine in the lobby, right? The hotel. <laughs> so just know that like, I am not this hardcore lift the weights, do the thing, but fitness has played a very strong role in my life. In 2008, when I graduated college, there were no jobs. So I took a job selling memberships at 24 hour fitness to get in, to make ends meet. And uh, that led me into competing in strongman and powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting competitions and becoming a personal trainer and, moving to Austin, Texas in 2014 to try to get out of the fitness industry to become the very first member of On It Gym, which is Joe Rogan's supplement company, to coming on board to work at On It, overseeing strategic partnerships and teaching their fitness education, training a number of professional athletes, 
leaving Austin, Texas to come to Boulder, Colorado, where I am sitting right now, uh, prior, previously working at a technology company that builds software for personal trainers to deliver individualized custom programming called TrueCoach. I uh, was recently just let go from that job after an acquisition. Uh, and now I am on the solo trip doing some of my own projects and, and embarking on the new evolution of life uh, of entrepreneurship. And uh, just really trying to uh, tag it all together because I've had this really unique journey into fitness that was a lot of training, you know, taken over 30 certifications and, and been to a number of events to, oh, I also teach a lot of coaches how to improve their businesses and improve their clinics and, and understand how to market and create branding and strategy. And uh, I consult with a number of companies. So uh, it's created this really weird path that I'm so fortunate to share such great perspective and hopefully help coaches and therapists uh, be able to help the people that they touch every day. And that's uh, clients and patients develop better relationships with their bodies, whether that be through pain management, nutrition, or physical fitness. Uh, and now I'm in a spot to where I just want to sit and have dope conversations with people like yourself and, and uh, learn and, and help grow. That's awesome, man. So uh, we actually got into a pretty good conversation before we even started the uh, the That's official, how it works. <laughs> yeah, right, the official um, <clears throat> recording, if you will. But we wanted to segment off of that. So uh, Sam was uh, just—I mean, it just shows just his introduction just shows you the passion that he gives for this community, not only to um, you know the let's say the paying clientele, but the but the coaches, right? He's super invested in the coaches and helping the development of better coaches so they can reach more people and that's he just started spitballing we just we said hello and then it just turned into this whole thing which was really cool uh, but what was interesting he was saying he's like very rarely do i get invited on the podcast nowadays to talk about fitness obviously he has a super extensive background on the business side the marketing side the relationship side but i kind of wanted to take a pause there so we can actually start this in that i feel Sometimes we create too many too too many delineations, right? We try along this line in the sand, saying this is this and that is that, not knowing that there's always this clear overlapping carryover, right? So my first question was with fitness, right? If you if you want to talk about fitness, there always is that quote unquote marketing or relationship side, right? So what I mean is when when we're talking about someone like with goals specifically, right? You can't have a goal without understanding who the person is, who the motivation is. What are they actually looking to express or get out from themselves with that? And in my mind, that's kind of where, you know, quote unquote, marketing comes into play, right? So what's, what are some of the things that you find as far as being a good business owner leads you into being a better fitness coach? Or how do you have that conversation with people about their goals? You know... Uh, business as, as you and your family are experiencing um, is way harder than, than writing a program and treating someone like that's the best part of your day because like oh, I get to know I get to do exactly what I know how to do and then you step on the other side you're like oh shit this world is entirely different but that game jumping into something new is uh, man it's scary right like Oh, I don't know how to do any of that. And you're, you seem to be a go-getter. I don't know Antonio incredibly well, uh, but a go-getter that's wants to try new things, right? Like it sounds like you and your wife just want to try things and see where you kind of land. And that's such a huge value because it means that you probably don't have a strong sense of a fear of failure in that I'm going to try something and see what works and learn from it. Fail fast, learn fast, and go through a journey of gathering perspective because perspective only comes at a cost. As my mentor, John Wolf says, perspective only comes at a cost of time, energy, money, or pain. 
And it's through one of those emotions and feelings that causes us or pushes us to evoke change in ourselves. Now, I want to back it up to, let's say, maybe someone that you work with in a clientele setting and you jumping into trying to do a podcast and social media is the same thing one of your clients is feeling when they're trying to jump into getting healthier. And it's the same thing that when they're trying to look at why am I in pain? I don't understand. And, my, and they become their ailments. They become their situations. And what you have to do in business and what you have to do in fitness or any journey in terms of betterment is you have to be able to take a step back and look at the 10,000 foot view and say, okay, where am I at? What do I need to do next? And what am I getting ready for? In that if you can see a bigger picture of the landscape, I hope you can see oh shit, if you're running through a, a, a big old plane field and you're a buffalo, right? You have to worry about shit coming to kill you, right? Whether it's hunters or another a predator, right? Like you have to look for the pain points ahead, right? So if you're on a weight loss or a pain, pain uh, diminishing journey, you have to know that, oh shit's not gonna be great all the time. Just because you start putting effort in doesn't mean it's gonna have yield and it's gonna be immediately better today. I'm going through a big journey right now of improving my sleep and you know, I'm, everything from invasive surgeries in my mouth to working with different experts. And like, there's days where I get caught up. It's like, man, I still am not sleeping well. And it's really discouraging. Like, it's like, oh shit, I'm doing all this work and it's not working, but it is right. It's, but excuse me, it's better than where it was. And I have to remind myself like these pain points, these, these pieces of things that aren't going as well as I hope they are, are the perspective building are the, are the platform that I'm using to help give me self, give myself a good, strong foundation. Right. So if you're someone that's sitting here and maybe Antonio has treated you uh, or you're just listening and, and you're going through your own fitness, fat loss, health journey and all the things that you've tried in the past haven't worked. Well, guess what? Knowing what doesn't work is just as important as what does work. And that's a big business lesson. Right. In marketing, especially there's no tried and true uh, formula that says this is what's going to work every single time. There's best practices. But honestly, marketing is a whole lot of throwing shit on the wall and seeing what sticks. And then a lot of times like, oh, that worked. Holy crap. What did I do? Uh, <laughs> let me go figure out how to do that. And for some people, that's their fitness too, right? They just started kind of chipping away at it. And um, there was a really great quote in a book I read called uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he was talking about someone making healthier decisions. And the person just made the, the decision that they were going to ask themselves every opportunity of a roadblock they had they would ask the question, is this a decision a healthy person would make or a non-healthy person would make, hmm. right? Should I stay up and watch another episode of Netflix? Is that a decision someone who's healthy would make or is that a decision someone who's not healthy would make? Oh, well, someone who's wanting to be healthier would probably go to bed instead of watch another episode of Netflix. Oh, if I wanna, um, I'm trying to lose some body fat because I, you know, I wanna whatever. And then it turns into um, figuring out like, what strategies have worked for you and what haven't worked for you, right? And having that question, having that dialogue with yourself, being willing to go through the experience of like, oh shit, that was really hard. Maybe I'm not quite ready for it, but then being able to pull back and say, you know what? All right, at least I know what I'm getting into over there. I may not be ready for it today. I'm not ready to start tracking my macros today, but you know what? I'm, I wanna be healthier. A healthy person would probably have a piece of broccoli with their burger and fries. Great, right? Oh, a healthy person would have water instead of five beers. Great. Right. Or it's, uh, and, and in my case, especially when it comes to fitness and nutrition, I'm a big, do things unapologetically, right? If you want to eat the burger and fries, do it because you love it and get the one you want, get the one that you love. And then tomorrow have a salad, have some, have another serving of vegetables, drink some more water, right? Don't guilt yourself over the things you're not doing, but also be consciously aware of the things that are in front of you that might be hard. So you can prepare for them ahead of time. 
right? So don't go into trying to be a highway hero. Go into things with the objective 10,000 foot view of like, hey, sometimes things are gonna go really well. I'm walking down a, a flat path and there's nothing around but blue skies and sunny weather. And then sometimes I'm walking uphill in the snow with sandals on and it's a blizzard outside and shit sucks, right? And that's every single thing in our life. I don't care if it's you being a chiropractor, you being a trainer, a husband, a father, a coach, right? Sometimes things go really well. And then sometimes it feels like you step on a Lego in the middle of the night and like, you're like, oh, that didn't go well, <laughs> okay. And it's such a kick in the nuts and shock to your system that you're like, oh. But as long as you have that, you know what? That's just part of the journey. I knew I was gonna go through some of those things already. I was gonna stub my toe along the way. Just gotta keep moving, right? And that's the attitude because if you and your family are choosing entrepreneurship as a livelihood for your family, well, entrepreneurship's never easy. It's never going to be smooth and it's never not going to be wanting to pull your hair out, pull your hair out. So it turns into like, okay, well, that's what I signed up for, right? Because the other option is me not living this life. What would that life look like? Oh shit. That's me commuting 20 miles to go work at a clinic that tells me how to treat people instead of me getting to treat people how I want to treat people. It's me not having the flexibility of like, oh crap, my kid's sick. I got to like cancel clients and be able to hang out with my kid, right? Like those are the things that you maybe sacrifice for some of the pain points of entrepreneurship to do the thing that you're doing now. And that's the same journey with people's fitness and health is that, you know what, shit's going to go away. And the trick is not getting discouraged, not getting beaten down by the process and willing to keep moving the needle forward. How can you make tomorrow better? How can you make tomorrow easier? What can you do to help yourself take a smaller step and doesn't even need to be forward, right? Moving is better than not moving. So look at things and just going in with that 10,000 foot view of, hey, things are going to be hard. Here's, I'm just going to keep attacking, right? I'm going to gather resources. I'm going to learn. I'm going to gather perspective and keep running through. Sometimes I gather all my stuff and I'm packed up real well and I can run. And then sometimes I'm like, oh shit, I got to go. I got to build something to get across to the next uh, bridge or whatever that is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's all the same. Business and fitness are the same thing. And I think that any journey in life that involves us going through some sort of betterment process is the same thing, right? There's plenty of times where you're like, oh shit, I might've been a little reactive towards my kid right there. I did not need to yell at him. I was just mad at you know, work or whatever, right? And so you're like, oh, you gotta go through the journey as a father. You gotta go through the journey as a husband. You gotta go through the journey as a, a, a boss, as an owner. And it's, it's literally the same thing. So I think that's why entrepreneurship can be such a, and business can be such a great um, mir- mirroring to fitness because you've already signed up for the fact that you don't have another option, right? Like this is the road I'm going down. So, uh, looks like I better just get a real strong jaw because that's all I have. Right. And just hope you get enough amateur fights in you before you wind up in front of Mike Tyson, Yeah, you know, (laughs) even if he is 50. Yeah. Dude, he's, he looks like an animal right now. Oh my God. I still would get my ass beat by him. (laughs) (laughs) So fast. Um, you run off some good points. And one of the things I think that's important to always, keep in keep in mind is so many people just throw the baby out the bathwater, right? Just like, oh well this didn't work. Why would I do that? Right. Yes. And and it's having that's the toughest conversations personally for me just being in that coach's role of being like, hey, like we have to we have to now's the time to dive into a little bit more of a lens. If you're figuring out something's worked, you gotta get a little bit more micro, even though we're having the macro approach yep. and look, right? But mm-hmm. they're just like, I'm not losing the weight. This isn't working. Like, we just need to fine tune it. I mean, I always tell people it's like a dial, right? You need a little yeah. more of this, you need a little less of this. And it's 100%. just with the ebbs and flows of life, especially the seasons of life, 
sometimes you need more, sometimes you need less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just put up a picture today on Instagram about, uh, it was uh, from a chronometer and about like my weight. And like, I'm not necessarily trying to lose weight. Like it would definitely be a beneficial thing for me to drop some body fat and it's just a part of the process. But, you know, starting off in April when I started working with Dr. Mike T. Nelson, I was like one, I don't know, 84, 85, somewhere in there. And then that, like, oh, like going through really uncertainty with my job and getting fired and going through like, oh, my weight did this. And like today I woke up really light. I woke up at like 179. Uh, but like, oh, it's only five pounds different from where I initially started with the coach. But I went from 184 to 190 something down, you know what I mean? So it's been this escalating thing. And like, shit, I do it all day. I teach it, I coach it, and it doesn't make it any easier, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't want the, I want the burger and fries as more than the salad as much as anybody else, right? Like, I'm just trying to be less fat like anybody else. But you have to make those decisions about what's important to you. And, and it doesn't make it easy. It just means... You have to be willing to go through like, oh, sometimes you're not going to, sometimes shit's going to be hard and it's not going to go as well. And, but like, for me, it was a great perspective. Like, wow. Like I was pumped. I was like 179 this morning. Right. I was like, that's cool. Right. Uh, but then it was like, I looked at the, the macro view of our time together with my coach. And I was like, wow. I mean, six pounds, like from the start is eh, for, you know, four months, but it was like, oh, for four months, it was like, oh, my life just got tipped upside down twice for sure so it was like oh yeah it's cool i'm cool i'm totally cool with where, where i'm at right now because i knew the shit that i went through to get to where i am now but i think that's i think that's really important too from a coach's perspective if you're a coach or a clinician listening to it right because we know more about the human body and we know that these things ebb and flow and happen even more so than our clients right so when you get that feeling of anxiety you're like man like why i'm doing the right stuff why is it not happening imagine what they're feeling oh, they don't yeah. even know what's going on Mm-hmm. Now, one 100%. thing I think is interesting because I think you brought up uh, a couple a couple points I want to talk about is uh, m- most people talk about if you want to learn something, you got to teach it, right? And you're you've obviously been in a teacher's role for for quite some time now. And as clinicians and coaches, we're constantly teaching. What might be some possible opportunities where a client or someone who's in that student role? can try to get involved and not necessarily like going out and teaching seminars and different things like that, but how can they, what, what options might they have to try to learn better by actually, is it just being a beacon to their friends and family members and being a little bit more um, vocal about it? What are, what are some thoughts you have as far as like helping that person kind of like ingrain that a little bit more in their life? Yeah. Great question. I like that. Uh, You know, a lot of people don't realize that the words that they use have weight to those that they send them to. In that we have conversations with people consistently all the time about what's going on in our lives. And in fact, we're pretty rehearsed as humans. Think about when you see someone you haven't seen in a while, maybe a patient, you see them at the grocery store. Hey, what's up, how you doing? Oh, I'm good, just busy doing the thing, you know, the family. And it's like, oh, I just said the same, I say the same exact thing all the time, right? Even to people I kind of know. Well, let's take that and obviously right now it's in a different situation because of COVID, but let's say you're sitting in your office and you got your cubicle mate, your desk mate, whatever situation you're in. And you see that person every day, 40, 50 hours a week. You're probably pretty entrenched in people's lives. And if you're someone that is choosing to go down a fitness and health journey and you sit with three other people at your cubicle quadrant, let's just say, well, guess what? You're probably going to talk about what you got going on in your life. Right. And inevitably, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I hired a trainer. I've been going to Antonio. I've been, you know, I finally went into that chiropractor my doctor told me to go to after my car accident, whatever that is. And for us, for a lot of people, they don't necessarily want to go search for the answer, search the thing. 
But when someone's like, oh, I've been working with this guy. Oh man, I've got back problems. I want to go see him. I would imagine a lot of your clientele that you guys have is referral based. And you think about like the power of sharing in your day-to-day life in a casual setting, because if you're coworkers and you're sharing what you're going through, you're not worried about that person's level or what they're doing. You take it for um, its weight and worth because it's someone that you care about, right? And so that's an opportunity for us to always share. We should always be sharing what we're doing, right? It doesn't mean you have to be an expert today, but if you go through and they come in and do a great session with you and you talk about, hey, why it's important to maybe meditate or sleep or whatever thing that you're teaching them, well, guess what? They're probably going to go teach that to their coworkers or talk to them about it, right? You know, the amount of times I had, uh, I'm a big believer in becoming friends with your clients. Uh, I know some people don't teach that, but um, I'm like, to this day, I still go out and I like, last year I went and surprised one of my clients for her baby shower in New York and I hadn't trained her since 2014. So in five years, I still, you know, support her because she's like my sister, right? And I'm a big believer in developing these relationships because she would like invite me over to her house all the time. She's big in advertising. And I'd go to her, you know, dinners and all of her teammates would be there and her friends are there. And I'd walk in the door and I start chatting with someone at the table and like, oh, you're Sam? We hear about you constantly. And then like, you know, you have inside jokes with your clients. You know, yeah. I have like some, it's like this one uh, client, Ellie, uh, she was like, uh, ladies don't push sleds. It was like a prowler sled had just come out from Elite FTS and I made her do it. She goes, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. Ladies don't push sleds. So like when I met her family, they were like, oh, how often do you make Ellie push the sled? And I was like, oh you know about our inside joke thing, yeah, right? Yeah. That means you know, that means you're talking about us, for sure. right? To where, oh, that means she's an extension of me to her family, right? And that family, I went on to train nine people from that family. Wow. And yeah, one person to nine, right? So like their family barbecues are like, hey, we're having a Sam barbecue because it's all like healthy foods. And yeah. then we're like, a, we're having an anti-Sam barbecue. Don't come <laughs> over because <laughs> it's like beer, whatever, right? Yeah, but yeah. it was so fun to become a part of the conversation with them. And from a business standpoint, like, referrals are the best lead you can get, right? It's free and it's probably going to come in and it's probably going to pay, right? So from that level, it's a really financially sound uh, lead or really uh, customer. So, you know, for us, we have to look at, don't be afraid to share with what you're doing. You don't have to be the expert in it, but if you're going through a journey, share it with someone else because maybe you showing them that you have the courage and the determination to want to change your outcome might give that person the confidence or the, the not being scared of it not working, right? Because if that coworker has been battling with pain or weight loss or whatever in their journey, and then they see you doing it, it's like, oh, damn, Antonio's like going to see a trainer? Shit, I should go see the trainer, right? It becomes that much easier. Think about, uh, do you have, I'm sure you have Amazon Prime. Like for me, I probably won't buy something with two stars and poor customer reviews, For sure. right? Because they're super honest. Like people don't hold back on those Amazon reviews. So you want to figure out how good a product is? Like, oh yeah, just surf down to that shit. This thing sucks. Why would you buy it? Like, (laughs) oh, the five stars, not real, right? Customer reviews tell me everything, right? Because it's peer driven. It's someone that's, there's no uh, skin in the game in that that client who's telling them to come see you is like they're doing it because they really appreciate the relationship you give them, the experience you give them. They wouldn't talk about you if they didn't like you. People don't do business with people they don't like. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, we're in relationships with people we don't like. But typically, you won't spend your money with someone yeah, that you yeah. don't like. It's you know point. what I mean? So, uh, it's, especially if it's expensive, right? If it's 150 bucks a session, you're like, oh, 200 bucks a set. You're like, I'm not going to just go to someone I don't think is, it's working, mm-hmm. right? If anything, you're probably under the gun of like, shit, I got to get this person fixed or healed within the first couple sessions so they, keep com- so they come back or trust me. Because 
they don't know that it's a six month process to get their sciatica to like calm down, right? Sure, maybe a low back adjustment might feel good in the interim, and, and you know, but it's not gonna like solve that pain, 100%. right? So then it turns into like, oh, how do I make sure you understand that this is a process? How do I make sure that you know? And that education, you talking to them in a way that makes them feel empowered is going to give them the confidence to go share it later. Nothing I hate worse than when trainers get super caught up in uh, over uh, preaching anatomical anatomy and physiology. You know, when they're, when they're like, you know, I need you to get in a half kneeling position. I need your glenohumeral gliding to be in this blah, 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 blah. And, you're, and I'm like, yeah, Grandma Betty don't give a shit about her glenohumeral gliding. Yeah. She cares that she can put her bra on by herself and pull the blankets over herself in bed at night, right? Like, so just, hey, can you do this with your arm? Awesome, right? I don't need to call it horizontal abduction, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And so for us, it starts with us sharing that in a way that makes it easy for them uh, to, to reiterate, right? So I teach a lot of workshops and I've taught workshops to um, a couple Thai, Japanese, and Korean groups that don't speak English. So I'd have a translator. And so do you think they want to hear things in posterior pelvic tilt? No, nah, I just said, hey, when you're doing your squat, just don't look like a dog taking a crap in the park. And they're like, oh, they know what that looks like, right? It's a lot easier to translate that than it is, you know? So it gets people to understand what you're doing and it gets them to have something fun to share, right? That client, because if you start rattling off a bunch of anatomy, that client's not gonna be like, bro, I don't know what that means. They're gonna, like, they're gonna shake their head and be like, yeah, totally. I'm like, you don't know what I just said at all. That just went right over your head, right? To where, oh, then you give them something they can use that it's in their terminology now they're naturally immediately going to go text their best friend, their boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, partner, whatever. Oh my gosh, I did this drill where I look like a dog taking a poop in the park and like my low back just does not hurt anymore, right? And you're like, oh, that's awesome, right? And it just gives them something to where they didn't have to worry about speaking like you. They could speak like them and it's easy to understand. So yeah. just use words that people get. That was that was by far one of the biggest mistakes coming out of school, right? Because you want to you want to sound smart. Everyone wants to mm -hmm. sound smart, like they know what they're talking about. But you know, it's 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 just so relative where you just spit and stuff, and no one cares. But right. with that being said, um, which I'm curious to hear your perspective in in the avenue of True Coach. I mean, True Coach blew up. I'm sure partially because of well everything that you guys been doing leading up to it. But then COVID, everyone's going into online programming, right? How do a coaches maintain that good healthy client relationship when you're not face to face anymore right because i mean we're having a good conversation we get to know each other through a screen now everything is digital that being said too your same coworkers you're not seeing every day right so mm -hmm. everyone's getting removed just you know everyone's a little bit more disconnected and removed from those face to face interactions and connections which is interesting and i have a feeling just the way you kind of get a sense of how some people are most people that love having the conversations like we do they're like, yeah, I want to get back to meeting people. But other people are like, I'm kind of okay with this, this. And we're really losing a lot of that social interaction. Yeah, you know, it's, um, you have to recognize where you're at first. If you're not the most talkative person, I want to have long conversations all the time. Like, know that going in and that's okay, right? But for on my end, like if I was doing a lot of online coaching, I have to also be present around like, I can't have a four hour conversation if I have 50 clients, right? Because immediately that puts me at, like crushes my hourly a quarter or three quarters of what, you know what I mean? Cause I'm spending, oh, I'm spending five hours per client per month instead of two hours per client per month, right? So my hourly got halved. Mm -hmm. So you have to set up systems around expectations to make it easy, right? Maybe it's conditioning your clients around, hey, I need more feedback from you. So that way I can just get into it and I can look at, hey, oh yeah, I don't feel good, right? Or, oh, that thing crushed me today. Or 
what is your system for communication, right? For me, like with my coach, I send him an update once a week around, hey, this is what's going on, how I'm feeling. Uh, and then he gives me a response. Right. And then, uh, but I like, because Mike and I are friends, we talk quite a bit throughout the week and, and it's different. Um, but, you know, for a lot of coaches, clinicians, you got to set yourself up to give yourself an opportunity to have um, them take ownership of the process because they're going to have to be a little more involved in a remote setting than you are in an in person setting. And then you're going to have to make it easy for them to follow through and make it easy for them to just give you the information they want to give you. And then it's your job to decipher. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So for, uh, and then we also have to realize that not everybody is a good candidate for remote coaching. Yeah. I know that's tough in this setting right now, but if you're a brand new coach, do you think you're ready to work with someone that's got a shitload of ailments in the middle of, you know, a hundred thousand miles away from you that has never worked out before and doesn't have any equipment? Like, oh my gosh, you're going to be explaining everything, yeah. right? And so think about this. I mean, people have a hard time getting someone to hinge well. Right. It's one of the hardest movements to coach, whether it's a hyperlaxity or it's a stiffness or whatever it is. You're going to ask someone to understand where their pelvis is at in space remotely, who's yeah. never done it and has no tactile abilities. Right. Like that's really, really hard. So we have to understand that not everybody is ready for that same experience. Doesn't mean that they can't have, you can't give them value, but we have to know that, okay, maybe Grandma Betty right now is not ready for this immersed online coaching experience where they're getting a customized remote program. Maybe I just need to give them some smaller goals or some smaller tasks that don't involve as much feedback or as much coaching to where I have to have as much handholding, mm -hmm. right? So if we're looking at it from a business standpoint, now you have scalable offerings. You might have a, um, a, a single purchase opportunity, like a, Hey, uh, zero to 5k or a couch to 5k or like, um, you know, what you need to know about moot, whatever, right? The basics, your basics yeah. program. And that's something for everybody can just do. You just pick up, you buy it once and like, Oh, it's a cool little thing. And then that's a lead funnel to where, okay, maybe those people, someone went through that. And then they're like, you know what? That was awesome. I want to go deeper Then they want to do a remote coaching, mm -hmm. right? The difference between someone who's willing to spend 45, $49 on a 12 week online program. And the difference who someone who's going to spend $500 a month, for individualized coaching are not the same person. doesn't mean they don't want the same outcomes, but investment wise, they're not quite there yet, both from a, their standpoint and your standpoint. So we have to meet people where they're at and we have to give them opportunities to be successful. And so True Coach just becomes a, a, a platform to, to deliver that communication um, for people. Yeah, that's awesome. Um... I'm going to kind of, I'm going to kind of go a different direction now. And this came up in one of your previous, many of the podcasts you've done over the years. Why, why do you think people become dogmatic? Because they fear what they don't understand. And we, as you mentioned, like we all want to have, um, we all want to know what we bring to the table, right? We inherently, each person needs to have uh, some self-worth. They need to feel like they contribute. They need to feel safe. They need to feel that they are someone that is of value. And the first time you learn something, well, that becomes really easy to attach your wagon to mm -hmm. because you know it works, right? The difference is, is you've only seen one lens of the, of the puzzle, right? There's a lot more. So what happens is you get scared around, oh, this is what I know. That means everything else must not work because you're trying to defend your turf. As if, if I don't do this, no one else is going to listen to me or I'm not worthy, right? So we have to understand that it's great to learn something and it's great to go down the rabbit hole, but we also have to be willing to say, you know what? That also isn't the biggest picture. 
right? So for you, the school of chiropractic um, education, like you're a chiropractor, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay, just making sure I wasn't PT. Fuck that. <laughs> uh, but like, that's a lens of perspective, for sure. right? Which is different than a physical therapist. Oftentimes, you guys end up crossing over doing this, uh, work and treating a lot of the same ailments for people, right? But the lens of perspective that chiropractic gives you is going to have a different lens than physical therapy, which is going to have a different lens than FRC, which is a different lens than animal flow, which is a different lens than powerlifting, which is a different lens than uh, Zumba. And we have to understand that all of them have value in certain aspects and where they're at, right? Because they come from a different lens of perspective. They got to those solutions based on the experiences that they went through. And so when we start getting too dogmatic around the solution, we start closing off our minds to what else is out there. It's really healthy for us to go in and say, hey, I want you to be really confident with your treatment. Because if that's a system you know, awesome. But if your only tool is a hammer, then everything is going to look like a nail. We have to have a toolbox full of different solutions to help different people. Now, the toolbox gets built over time, right? You have to know with what you know. You're going to go in. I'm going to use my chiropractic lens for a while. And then you're going to get to a point where like, ooh, I, I need more information. Because what my toolbox says to do for this person isn't working. So now I have to go, okay, what else is out there? How can I get better? As opposed to keeping and trying to jam that square block to the round hole, right? To make it work. You have to say, you know what? I need a different block. I need to go back to the drawing board. I need to go learn something. I need to go have a conversation, right? But so many people aren't willing to have it because they think that that moment is weakness. They think that that is what makes them no longer the expert, right? Now, when might, when might a client or an athlete who is, because again, we came back to, hey, when you find something that works for you, you've done all the fine tuning, it's like, this is working for you. When might someone cha challenge that? I'm not, maybe they're not dogmatic in that, but they found the system that worked for them, right? But eventually, maybe not, but eventually they hit those roadblocks. So I think being open-ended to when you're not seeing the continued results you were seeing, or you're just feeling stagnant or whatever it is, that's a time to transition or to ask new questions to your coaches. Like one thing I always, cause I, I'm not in the, I'm not in the group group gym setting currently. We, I used to be, but I have patients that are right. I'm like, well, you're coming at me with this, with a problem that should be addressed by your coach. Did you ask them about it? But for whatever reason, a lot of people don't feel comfortable asking their coaches about these, even though they're paying them. Right. They kind of just assume, well, like, well, I'm not fitting that model anymore. Right. Like I'm not getting mm -hmm. the results as to what they say I should be. I'm like, well, that's a question. Like that should be something that should be easily addressed. You know, it, it's easy to say this now because I'm more than a decade into this game. Uh, but you, a client should be able to go up to their coach at any level they are and ask them why they're doing something. And that coach yeah. should be able to give you a really good reason and should be able to back it up with, Hey, here's my experience. Here's what I learned. Here's why, here's what I think it's doing. But also knowing that it's a conversation. Yeah. It's a conversation around, hey, because let's be honest, you've, probably, you've read your fair amount of research papers, okay? And uh, in fitness, I think we've all discovered that N equals one is real. <laughs> so you're like, oh, yeah, there's not a thousand billion uh, research articles proving that this method works, but like it literally just worked, right? Like what's better, eight sets of eight or seven sets of seven? Uh, I, I, I don't know, maybe, you know what I mean? So I want, co I want clients, if you're a patient anywhere if, if, and in any sort of capacity, don't be afraid to ask your coach or your therapist why you're doing something and, or what, what it should be doing or what they should be feeling 
well, mm -hmm. why it's doing this or how it, how it works. And to be honest, I want you to judge the quality of your coach that you're getting based on that kind of answer. I am entirely okay because I was a day one, year one personal trainer with one weekend certification at a 24 hour fitness. Okay. <laughs> That's how I started my career. I had to be okay with like, you know what? Sometimes I don't know the answer, right? Right now I'm like, I, I don't know, uh, but I'm gonna go learn. I'm gonna go ask, right? Because my pitch to people early on was, you know what? I'm gonna make fitness more fun for you and a better experience than you've ever had. Doesn't mean I know all the answers. I have a lens of perspective of how I like to attack things, but I want to give the experience to make sure they, my clients got what they wanted out of the experience. So for example, back when I was a trainer full-time at 24, I was heavy into powerlifting. So my main lens of perspective was mechanical stress, progressive overload, linear periodization. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a great tool. Right? It's a really great tool. It's not the only tool, but that was the only one I really had exposed to at the time because I was a year one, year two, year three trainer. So it turned into, okay, well, if someone asked me why we were squatting heavy, well, it's like, well, I need you to resist load. I need you to get stronger. I need to build up tissue resiliency. It's going to help you here, here, and here, right? doesn't mean that there's not other answers. But I also want to make it feel, hey, how does it feel? Does it, and is it something where they feel comfortable bringing me feedback? If your coach is, well, that method over there is stupid. Why would you even do that? That's well, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, uh, right? Anytime you're operating from a scarcity mindset, probably don't have the track. You're not moving down the right answer, right? We should come at things and say, oh, man, maybe I'm not familiar with that. So we got to look at, like right now especially, there's a lot of different fitness education out there. A lot of different styles of training, coaching, programming, all, yeah, yada, yada. And all of it works. Some of it's not as good as others, right? But that's here nor there. But at the <laughs> end of the day, I don't want to get into that. Uh, but at the end of the day, right, all, everything has some sort of value. And that coach should be able to explain how it's helping them or that, their client. And they should be able to do it in a way that doesn't make the client feel dumb for not knowing that answer. For sure. Right. And if that client comes to you and says, Hey, Antonio, I just heard about this FRC thing that one of my coworkers has been doing. What do you think about FRC? FRC is stupid. That's, that's crap. We're like, wait, Ooh, right. Shit. You think there's only one solution? Uh, you know what I mean? Like automatically that should be putting the red flags on. I'm like, wow, they're not even open to hearing about it. Like, do you, have you done it? You know it. Right. Like if you tell me you took the course and you tell me why you don't like it. Sure. All right. I'll buy that. Right. But if you're just going to bash something because you just don't think, because it challenges your belief system, I would get out from that trainer or that therapist immediately Yeah, because and, they don't have your best interests at heart. And also, and that's the, and that's the, and that's the key at the end, best interests at heart, right? And coming back down to, because this is part of what stemmed our conversation earlier on. I was, ch I was chatting with Sam about like, Hey, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to start a podcast. And he's like, Hey, you got a busy life, man. You got to understand what it's a give and take. You're doing one thing. You're taking time from another thing. That being said, best interest at heart, right? Or best interest in mind is you have to understand what is it you ultimately want, right? So I had a conversation, which uh, I'm doing a spoiler alert here because I did a, a little solo podcast for a couple of weeks, had a conversation with the gal, kind of stemmed off from our last question and she dropped her CrossFit membership at a local gym that, that we know. And she said it was due to back pain. And of course, me helping with back pain, I'm like, hey, what's going on? And we got into the conversation and she's like, you know, I'm just tired of modifying everything because of my pain and i'm like well do you like doing crossfit yeah okay well what do you like about crossfit community trying new things and getting stronger okay so the three things that you said you enjoy has nothing to do with what's written up in the board right so why does it matter if you modify because the bet your best interest is being with the friends you love staying active 
right? And then, and then, but then the recommendation from her first therapist is like, well, maybe you should go try Pilates and do some core exercises. I'm like, listen, Pilates and core exercises will help your back to some degree, but there is a huge gap between Pilates and core exercises to what you want to be able to do in, in CrossFit. So, you know, best interest in mind is like, yes, those things work, but you have to under, mm-hmm. understand the context of where you want to end up going. 100%, 100%, right? Like, and, but, and I would, I would throw the caveat of, you know what, let's say, let's say that person has been doing CrossFit and they just aren't, they didn't give you the answer that they love it, right? They didn't give you the answer of like, oh, I really love all those things. Mm-hmm. Then it turns into like, well, go try Pilates. Because to me, honestly, if they go down the hole and they love it, awesome. Like, yeah. especially during COVID, I've had so many people hit me up and be like, what do you think about Peloton? I'm like, well, oh my God. <laughs> do you like spin now? Oh my gosh. I love spin class. Great. Buy the bike. Yeah. Or if you don't like, oh, you know, I don't know. I just think it's cool. I'm like, it's going to be a really expensive clothes hanger, right? Like how many people, like no one should ever buy a brand new treadmill because yeah. treadmills, like you can buy those things you use brand, like no one ever uses them, right? Because they think it, in theory, they think it's good, right? So my thing is go down the hole as long as you like it, right? If like, oh, CrossFit wasn't doing it. You're getting tired of getting beat up. Go try Pilates. If that 100%. makes you want to go down 12 weeks, two years, four years of like going hard in Pilates and you did something three days a week for four years. Awesome awesome right then it turns into like you know what if you get bored do something different right like one of my former clients like uh she's one of my dear friends and so when i started training her back in the day it was always around the lens of i just want you to feel comfortable in the gym like i don't need you i I don't care if you care about your 531 or your 1rm i I literally don't give a shit i care that you feel comfortable putting a bar grabbing a weight and doing the movements without wondering if i'm doing them correctly but she's like sam i get kind of bored uh going by myself i was like then Go to, she goes, I want to go to bars. I'm like, go to bar, go to bar for three weeks. Get yeah. class pass. So she went to bar for three weeks. She's like, eh, I kind of want to go to yoga. Go to yoga. Then she started doing kettlebells, right? And it's like, I don't care. Like, there's so many cool things in fitness, right? Sure, would I love everybody to do a powerlifting meet, a bunch of kettlebell work, mechan- you know, a, a big programmed experience? Absolutely. I think that's great for everybody. Mm-hmm. Is everybody ready for that? Absolutely not. To be honest, I, would, I wish everybody would just walk more right? Walking is like the most undervalued, underutilized tool of fitness ever. And that that's the easiest blanket thing for like, what should I do to get fit? Go walk, right? Like, especially I travel a lot for Ubers. Uber drivers are always like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a, I'm a trainer. And I'm like, oh, what should I do to lose weight? It's like, is this your full-time gig? Driving Uber? <laughs> yep. Okay. Every five rides, walk around the block. That's it? Well, I mean, it's more than what you're doing now. It's a start, yeah. You know, and it's like, <laughs> that's the start. And, and does it get you to do it, right? So for me, like, because we don't wake up motivated. We don't wake up like, I'm going to have chicken and broccoli every day for the rest of my life. And I am going to go run a hundred miles. I'm going to go squat the weights. I'm going to do this. Right. In theory, we want that. We want to wake up. Like we're going to go do the thing. And I'm like, God, I slept like shit. My kid's being a brat. My job has got a fire. Right. Like life is just taking a crap on me. What do I do? Right. Let's just do the thing that you want to do. Right. And stick with it for as long as you want to do it and being willing to want to try something different. Right, because there's lots of solutions out there, but doing the thing that gets you to do the thing is more important than beating yourself over the things that you're not doing. Yeah, 100. I think what's so funny about that is um, I, I had Ryan DeBell from Movement Picks on, and he's been going down this locomotion kind of uh, thought process lately. And the question was, is like, what's the one movement that's burned the most calories for humans? Walking. Right? And it's been pretty well. I mean, just think about like we've just been hunters and gatherers, right? No one. If you look at all these other countries and other civilizations and they're, they're lean and strong, but they're not out there just lifting weights and doing these things. We forget just the easiest thing there is. And the treadmill thing is funny too, because, you know, everyone lives somewhere, but they think having a moving ground in their basement is going to make them more 
it's going to make it easier for them to walk than to just go outside. Right. Like I, we live in Colorado, right? Like I, you know, when I get from people in Colorado, I'm like, uh, just go outside. We get 300 days of sun here and it's beautiful here. Right. Like I caught myself wanting to, especially when it was snowy out, I'm like, man, I should buy like a bike, tra- a bike trainer. And I was like, no, man, just go out, like do the thing, go outside. Right. And it's, uh, but I get it. I get, we all, we all want to find, you know, I think that's a healthy thing for us to acknowledge is like, we're just searching for the thing that we want to do. Yeah. Right. And that's why I say pull back a little bit from it, get to that 10,000 foot view and say, okay, you're clearly interested in getting better. You clearly have a desire to want to not be in pain, to lose some fat, to lose some weight, to feel stronger, to get healthier, to, you know, whatever that is for you. Right. If that's there, well, give yourself that space, give yourself that opportunity and say, awesome, man. Good job. You're like, you're now in a spot where you want to get better. What do you have available to you right now to get better? Right. Oh, you know what? Like my back doesn't feel good. I don't have, maybe I don't have a lot of extra money to go to a gym or hire a trainer. What's something I can do. I'm going to walk around the block today. Okay. Then I'm going to walk around the block twice and then three times and then four times. Right. Or five minutes, 10 minutes. What does that look like? Get a friend and go. And you know, getting to us to the point to where we want to do things because it empowers the way we feel as opposed to the guilt of like, I should go work out because I don't feel good, right? Like, man, I want you to go walk because you come back from a walk and you feel awesome. You feel so good, the back doesn't hurt, the legs don't hurt, you feel like you're in a better mood. Like I notice when I get in a salty ass mood from a crappy email or whatever, it's like, I wanna like do, uh, I don't wanna. So I go to walk outside and it's like, oh God, that's so much better, right? Like we get oxytocin, serotonin, norepinephrine, like everything going, right? Uh, all the great chemicals and hormones in our bodies that make us feel good come from movement. So for us, so for me, it's like, ah, just go move the body a little bit. And that's going to help create this cascading effect of wanting to go do more because we don't know what it feels like to feel good because we felt bad for so long, right? If most people feel 50%, getting them to 52% is going to feel like a world of difference, right? right? You don't need to get to LeBron. You don't need to be a hundred thousand percent doing ice baths and saunas and dry needling and all these things, right? You're going to feel better by eating vegetables a couple more times a week going on a few more walks and drinking a little bit more water, right? So get yourself doing things because you recognize that they make you feel good, both inside and outside. That's going to want you to keep going to different rabbit holes and different layers and going deeper down the hole of your journey than guilting yourself over, well, I see Sam doing this, Antonio doing that, and I'm not doing that. It's like, well, we're a decade into our experiences. You're on day one, week one, right? Mm -hmm. So, but acknowledging, hey, I'm catching myself wanting to be better, right? Because for some people, calling you might be the hardest thing they do. Oh my gosh, like, anxiety, like anxious around coming in. Maybe, and why they don't know, right? Maybe they had a, they went to therapy in the past, it didn't work. So they were just really caught up, like, man, I, I know I don't feel good. But how many people are like, I mean, low back is easy because everybody has it, but it's like, how many people like are just tired of their low back being hurt all the time and sore and not being able to do things? Well, they've gone to chiropractors before and like they did the punch thing. They're like, oh my gosh, that didn't feel good. So their, their tolerance to what invasive procedures are out there to help them is negative. So it's like, oh, so then they want to become their thing. They want to become their ailment. Like, oh, it's no, no use. I don't want, I can't, I'm never going to be no more back pain. I'm never going to live a life of no back pain because I've tried it. So do you think, do you think most people want to be self-empowered? Absolutely. I think that everybody desires to be self-empowered to have some more knowledge. It doesn't mean they want to do the whole process themselves, but I think people want to feel confident in that what they're doing is right. 
And that comes from, and some people need external validation for that. And some people can give it to themselves internally. But I think we all want to have some sort of validation that, that we're doing the right thing. Because no one, like, we have, there's a massive fear out there around a uh, fail. And I mean, it's huge, whether it's raising your hand at work to um, bring up an idea in a conference meeting to asking your boss for a raise, right? There's a lot of scenarios for people who are scared of the fear, they have the fear of failure, right? Because they've tried before and it didn't work. And so going in, there so many walls are put up around like, oh, they're, they're guarded, right? Who wants to fail? Failing hurts, it sucks. It's not fun. It's not fun to not be good at shit, right? That's why people don't do things. Like, oh, I'm not gonna be good at it right away. I'm not good at anything right away. When have, when have you ever been good at something day one, week one, <laughs> right? Never, right? Sure, some people are naturally gifted at things and pick them up right away, right? That's like saying, yeah, because I play basketball every day, I'm gonna be LeBron in a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe, probably not, right? So if that was my measurement of success of me playing basketball to be LeBron, well, shit, I'm never going to be good at basketball. Like, I'm never going to let myself, because I'm comparing myself to that, versus getting myself to be like, you know what? I'm just going to work on getting better at basketball, and, and I'm going to go through and look for resources, and because uh, I care about getting better at basketball, right? And so for a lot of people, especially in your world of pain and, and uh, movement, is that pain is the thing that is blocking them from doing the thing, right? They want to go be able to go on a run with their kid. They want to be able to, like, get on the ground and crawl around and play. They want to be able to go run that 5k with their coworkers. Right. But they, you get caught up being so in pain or so resistant towards, oh, I'm not going to be good. I'm not going to be better. I'm not going to, I'm not going to succeed at it. That it's easier just not to, to not start than it is to try and to go in the, and just be willing, like, you know what, let's just see where it goes. And today I'm going to go out and just take a hundred free throws. And then Next week, I'm going to hit my buddy up who played basketball in college and see if he'll give me a couple pointers. And then it turns into, oh, I signed up for this shooting camp. Then it turned into, I went to this camp. And then, I, you know, so you're willing to kind of just go through the things and you can get off the elevator at whatever time you want, right? If you want to keep trying to be the best basketball player you can, and rock on, keep going, right? Like Michael Jordan has a camp every year for guys 45 and older for basketball, right? That's Which awesome. It's super cool, yeah. And it's like, dude, I mean, are you, are you going because you think you're going to go get a call from – uh, Greg Popovich to go play for the Spurs? Probably not. But like, how cool is it that you still play hoops? Because it's a thing that you love. Yeah. Right. So that's the thing that I want people to get to is how do we get you comfortable just being willing to pursue the thing that you want to get out of your own way from, I can't go on that bike ride because all my friends are cyclists and I want to go do this 50K bike ride. But like, shit, man, my back's always hurt. I don't want to do that. So then you just don't, even, you don't put the efforts in to want to go do it. Right. Instead of like, okay, can't ride the bike 50 miles yet but what can I do? All right. Well, I got on the trainer for 10 minutes a day and I didn't get a flare up. Right. And then I can get to 12 and 14 and 18 and 20. Right. But I'm going through and what do I need to do to get to that next marker? Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to go get an adjustment. Maybe I need to go get some soft tissue work. Maybe I need to go learn how to meditate. Maybe I need to sleep better. Right. What am I, what are you willing to do to get to where you want to be? And when do those line up? And then you can find equanimity whenever you want. Right. If you just want to have a body that supports you playing with your kids and going on the uh, 5K run on Thanksgiving and doing the thing, awesome. Do the thing, right? You don't need to go be the biggest, best lifter in the gym, right? Do the things that support the life that you want to live. Now, this is more directed because we're in this whole situation of COVID, right? Where people maybe, I mean, a lot of people are not going to feel comfortable about going back to the gym for a while. Just, I mean, and especially now coming up into the fall and the winter. With that, 
right? We got, we got walking, walking in water and just trying to get into some sort of a routine, right? When, if someone's thinking about maybe putting together their own programming and, and aside from their own experience and, and whatnot, what are some things people should be thinking about and trying to develop it? Because a lot of people just like, you know what, I'm going to try it on my own, which I, I love. I'm like, dude, do it. Sure. I'm here if you, got me, if you got questions, right? 100%. What, what, what kind of methodology or what kind of uh, thought process should some of these people think about? Great question. Excuse me. Uh, I love, and this is a lens of perspective I didn't have my entire life, but I want to look at how do we have a little, how do we body map? How do we understand our body? Right. I want people just to develop a relationship with movement. Right. Uh, and around, um, you know, if you're an FRC person, it's cars. Uh, if it's the onnit system, it's the open chain joint by joint mobility, but I want people to develop a relationship with their body and what moves and what doesn't move. Right. You don't need to worry about some fancy lateral stretch to get the uh intercostals on the butt <laughs> anterior side of your ribs to open up right like does this feel good Ooh, that doesn't feel good okay cool don't go into pain right if this doesn't feel good yeah don't put more weight on it and hammer it right just recognize like ooh, that, okay why does that motion not feel good all right cool uh ooh, it hurts to put my arm over my head Ugh. all right like take note right move joints move muscles just to feel Right. And, and yoga does a good job of this. Yoga is obviously a very set um, prescription of movement. Mm -hmm. But for me, look at whatever you're doing with your body as your movement and take note as to how things feel. That's step one. Right. If you're a new parent and you realize like, oh, shit, it's really hard to get down, up and down on the ground and crawl with my kid. Right. Great. Just take note of that. I'm like, oh, shit. OK. Uh, right now. That's not where I'm at. What hurts the most when I do that? Oh, my hip hurts really bad when I do that. And then my low back starts to light up when I do that. Okay, great. At least now you know. All right, well, then stand up and say, all right, well, if it hurts for me to be down there on my hands and knees, uh, my lower back uh, lights up, what happens if I move my legs around when I'm standing? And what happens when I walk? Or what happens when I go down the stairs? And just start taking a mental note around how your body feels doing what things. And then, because if you don't know where you're at, you don't know where to go from there. Right. We have to know where we start to know where we can go. Mm -hmm. And then we can, that gives you the information to go into someone like Antonio and, and say, Hey, you know what, man? Um, I noticed that my wrist really hurt really bad when I'm down on the ground, uh, crawling with my kid. Do I maybe have some carpal tunnel? What's going on? But that information is super useful for you, right? Because that gives you a, the target, what they're experiencing. But we, I mean, you and I being in fitness know that it's, well, it's not the wrist. It's probably something up the chain, mm -hmm. right? It's probably the elbow, the shoulder, right? probably the hip, whatever. And so, but at least it's a starting point. And it gives them a reference point. So if people can get in the habit of just moving their joints, moving their bodies, if you grew up dancing, do your dance warmups, right? Get into your plie positions, get into this. If you played football, do some of your football, do your just stretches, just do a couple stretches. And like, the thing is like, there's no, from the, from the majority of standpoint of who's going to listen to this podcast, there's no right and wrong way to stretch. The only wrong way to stretch is when you, when you get hurt, right? The best ability is availability. So it's really hard to lose weight, get stronger, play baseball if you're hurt all the time, if you're on the IL, if you're, if you're always injured, right? So we want to look at and understand how does our body feel right now? What can we do to start making it feel better? And that starts from taking, just like if you're working, an assessment. So this thing I'm talking about, this movement, this understanding, is just your own personal assessment. What feels good? What doesn't feel good? I love just having people do some neck rotation, some lateral flexions, rotation, some leg movement, and just get something like, ooh, that feels kind of gunky. I'm like, yep, that's a scientific term. It's actually gunky. It's el gunky uh, yep. for the Latin terminology. Um, 
but yeah, totally. And it's like, or like, oh, it's like fuzz, like just scrape the fuzz, right? And they're like, oh, that makes sense, right? Just use that joint and scrape it around in there. And they're like, oh, wow. Because we both know too that installing movement into a joint is going to make it feel better, 100%. right? Doesn't, the difference is that where pain starts coming is when you went too far, mm-hmm. right? So for those of you watching this, I'm going to turn sideways, right? Let's say you're, uh, you can only put your shoulder to here, right? Well, if you're going and forcing yourself to do a bunch of handstand push-ups, well, now you can probably guess you know, your mid-back's going to hurt because you're having to arch your back to do all these things. Well, that doesn't mean don't move your shoulder. It just means don't move your shoulder into a position that you have to compensate other joint structures to achieve that motion. So if this is my shoulder range today, just roll with that, right? Just move it, right? Move within the range of motion that you have access to today and grease the groove. And if we start there, then we can start asking better questions as to if we need to get deeper. Because we live in the world of the internet. There's no shortage of information out there or anywhere we can get some sort of baseline knowledge of something we can go do. If anything, there's too much of it and it becomes overbearing. It's like, oh my gosh, like I don't want to go do a thousand squats in 10 minutes. And you're like, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> like, that sounds like the worst thing ever for me. Uh, right? So there's plenty of things you can go look at. Like, oh, I can go get that if I want that kind of a fitness response, if I want like a, a workout response. But if we can get in a better habit of addressing how we feel, so that way we can say, you know what? I don't need to do a bunch of handstand push-ups today because my shoulders don't feel good. Or, you know, how many, how many guys have we met in our time to where you're in there bench pressing and, and, oh man, I used to bench press like 600 pounds back in high school football. And now I, you know, that's why I have a bad shoulder. It's like, oh, well, uh, that's not good. Like maybe, uh, let's look at this. Why? Right? Like maybe we shouldn't just be overloading a joint structure that doesn't rotate. Right. You, you know, so we know this is where we're looking at things from, but on that person's end, it's like, bro, like, do you, I mean, maybe that person really loves bench press because that was a thing they were good at. So they attach their value to how well they bench yep. and because they can't bench, they don't feel valuable in the gym anymore. So it turns into like, okay, what can we do to help get you to where you can maybe bench? You may not bench the world anymore, but would it be valuable for us to get you there? Like, oh man, I would give anything to bench press again. Awesome, man. Right. And maybe that's like getting a nice little release inside that pec minor or jumping in there and getting that serratus to lock, you know, unlock or whatever that is. Like mm-hmm. if, if that's your issue, like you're not going to go through a non-painful journey <laughs> to unlock that, uh, unfortunately, but you got guys who can get in there and do it. And it turns into like, okay, well, maybe we start with floor press. Maybe we start with an elevated push-up. Maybe we start with just some getting your elbows to loosen up, right? The journey to get there and getting you to understand like, okay, that's where I want to get to. And today I'm not there, but I get to it by having an honest conversation with where I am at now and saying, you know what? Shoulder doesn't feel good. Why doesn't my shoulder feel good? You know what? I should go hit up Antonio. Hey man, uh, I'd like to start working out again. Shoulder hasn't been feeling good. It hurt doing push-ups. It felt kind of pinchy. Uh, can we see if there's something going on? Yeah, man, for sure. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, a little soft. Like, oh, man, that feels way better. Great, right? And then it, then it becomes you can have an open dialogue around like, hey, here's what you should be doing to help get that to be not so pinchy. Right? Once again, that's the Latin terminology uh, is pinchy. Uh, that's the correct anatomical way to talk about that. Uh, so, oh, yeah. uh, but like, I mean, that's a very real thing that you're going to get, right? Like I, I look at chiros and physical therapists, like you're like an auto mechanic. Like uh, if you're not a car person, and you want to get something fixed. Like I got a buddy, Zeph, who's like a big car guy. And I can literally hold my phone to the engine. Like Zeph, what's going on? And he can tell me what the, what's going oh, on yeah. with my car. But that's like people in their bodies. Oh, the thing he does, the weird thing, right? Or someone's explaining to their car. Yeah, it's doing the uh, 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 sound. And you're like, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't care. I literally don't care what sound you're making. Just tell, but if you don't tell me what you're going through, I don't know what you're going through. So for more people, that's exactly where I want everybody to start. Just move your body and just take note of, what, what positions feel good? What positions don't feel good? Where does it start hurting? Where does it not start hurting? What feels good? What loosens up? And then we can start going on and we can start building a plan.
right? Because that's the difference between someone doing it for their own purposes and like the way Antonio and I would approach something is we do the same thing, but then we would just have like, okay, this doesn't move. So we're going to choose this uh, variation instead of this variation, mm -hmm. right? Instead of hammering something that doesn't work, right? And so for you as a person, if you're not seeing one of us or doing that thing, at least now you know like, ooh, you know what? Dumbbell bench press does not make my shoulders feel good or barbell bench press does not make my shoulders feel good. So can I use dumbbell bench press? Oh, wow, dumbbell bench press does not hurt near as bad. Why? Well, because well, my shoulder blades aren't locked in place or whatever that is. But being willing to open yourself up to that conversation and just know that, ooh, this is what feels good. This is what doesn't feel good. That gives us permission to know what to push on and where we can start getting after it. Because inevitably, people want to get after it. Yeah, and a couple follow-ups on that. So A, for the listeners, giving yourself the freedom to either if you're on your own, do a different movement because one doesn't feel good because that happens so often, right? It's like, well, it was programmed today. I was supposed to do it, right? And the part two of that is telling the coach and having that conversation, just like, hey, this is not jiving. How do I modify this? What do I need to do different? But one thing that's funny is like my wife always says like, oh, you're so good at like foam rolling and stuff like that. I'm like, really like what I do on somewhat of a daily basis, depending on how busy I am with family and work and everything is like, all I do is like 20 minute body mapping sessions. I lay on the ground and I'm literally just rolling around in all sorts of just weird different ways. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't feel like that's a little tight and I'll just chill there for a little bit. And then I go to somewhere mm -hmm. else. That's all I'm doing. I'm just looking for sticky points, right? Totally. Yeah. All, all the, all the medical terms, but so <laughs> you brought up a good point is part of the, part of the original podcast, which is in the, which is in the pre-roll or kind of intro of this is, the, the amount of information is overwhelming us, right? And with yes. good intentions, everyone's trying to do the right thing, which is really good. And we're trying to, yep. we're trying to help filter through all that fluff. Mm -hmm. But for those of us that are just Googling and YouTubing, how, how, do we, how do we weed through the fluff? How do we weed through what's actually good and not bad? Because again, it's super easy. You're, you're a marketer, right? You mm -hmm. know how to grab people's attention. For and sure. a lot of stuff out there is just grabbing attention with, with not good information. Well, you know, marketing um, is a lot of uh, splash in the pan, a lot of hot and sizzle, right? <laughs> and, you know, I really love the expression um, that simplicity is the ultimate form of sophistication. And if someone has to use a shitload of big words and a lot of fancy jargon to make you kind of feel like it's cool and that you understand what's going on, eh, okay, it might, it might be okay, versus wow, they made that concept so unbelievably easy. I actually understand it. And I know exactly with what they're doing. Like there is a pretty high level of common sense with the body, right? Like, does this feel good? Does this not feel good? That's a pretty good indicator of how well, how good a movement's going, right? Like, did that I hurt? Love it. No? Awesome. <laughs> like, that's, like, that's your indicator things, right? Yeah. Does that hurt? No? It, then that's it, a good is, thing. Yeah. Is it heavy? Is it light? <laughs> So for most people, like when you see something, it's like, wow, they're going through a lot just to like explain something really complex or really simple. You're like, oh, maybe it's, they're having to hide behind that. Right. And trainers do this where they use heavy terminology, right? Mm -hmm. They're trying to talk about the multifidus and the diaphragm and this, it's like, uh, can you breathe here and here? Right. Can, does this move? And I think that having that, your first reaction around those feelings, when you feel something being marketed to you is exactly how it probably is going to feel, right? I prefer to come across really raw and unfiltered and uncensored in that, like I'll drop pooping dog jokes and things because that makes people understand that I'm real. 
I'm not trying to be something above what they are. I'm trying to be something that you entirely can see. I am transparent. I am not, not this person all the time. This is me a hundred percent of the time. The way I talk to you with undulating my voice and changing the pitch. Like I, this would be the conversation I have with you in person. It's not like, because I'm on the show. So I want it's like authenticity is something that you should, we can all feel right. We feel it all the time with people. It's like, Oh, that felt really like crappy. Like, so for us, I think that's a big indicator as to if it's good or not is how does it feel marketed to us? Uh, and did it feel like it was trying to make us feel stupid for not knowing? Or does it make us feel empowered to make a decision and take change and action? Yeah. And so when we're filtering through all this information, the big thing I want coaches to do better. And the big thing now I want clients to start registering is what's the message that that coach is really trying to put out there. What is the real thing that they are trying to accomplish through their journey? And that's tough. Not coaches don't do a very good job of it across the board because it's, it's, they don't, they're not marketers. But we have to look at, you know, the way I explain it, like typically is, uh, what's the thing that got you into fitness? Like for whatever reason, you chose to be a chiropractor. Did you have an injury? Did you watch someone get injured? Did you get in the wreck? Did you have an experience with a chiropractor? Something caused you to want to get on the hole. Now, the choice for you to want to continually enhance yourself to get better and choose to get better is your ambition to want to serve, is your ambition to want to help others. Now, you're going to get business purely because you're a chiropractor, you have DC behind your name, and you're in whatever location. There's going to be people that show up, whether they're a car accident or they just want a manipulation or they want something. The difference between you having an okay business and having a booming business is when people still really start to resonate with what you are giving them and why you're the person that they can trust. And for some people, that's going to be because they came through a journey, right? So a lot of people who work in the nutrition space, I tell like, you know what? You're probably in the nutrition space probably because you've had a challenging relationship with food or your body throughout the past, right? Uh, How'd you know that? (laughs) That's guaranteed. Okay, let's just get past that. So if you're talking to someone and they're talking maybe a little bit roundabout answers about their nutrition, how quick are you able to pick up that they have an eating disorder? Uh, So fast, right? How fast can you see yourself in them immediately? Faster than I will because I didn't go through it. So I would say that your message is, Sure, your lens might be chiropractic or helping um, people get stronger through powerlifting or CrossFit, but the way you're really going to connect to people is through that community. Is like, man, this is who I really want to help. This is the journey I went through. Mm-hmm. And then it starts getting bigger to where it opens up more people because you help more people. But for us, it turns into, as coaches, what is it that you're trying to do? What are you, who are you trying to help? Why are you trying to help them? And, you know, we we can start looking at, you know, we're all better at talking to a certain avatar, a certain person than we are someone else, right? For me, like when I was a trainer, my primary clientele, as much as I wanted to work with baseball players and I was a power lifter, uh, majority of my clientele was type A women, right? Like 70% of my business was type A women that were like in executive roles that were like used to just being authoritative. And cause we could fucking bullshit. We could jive back and forth, but like I didn't work so we could have fun conversations. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't that, I was reporting to them, but that's just for whatever reason, my tone of voice just resonated with them. Now I wasn't a type A female before this point in time. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just recognize for me, it's different in that, like I'm a hyper extrovert and I grew up in this scenario. So where I have that gab, that gift of gab to where if you don't have that, that's not your natural skill set, right? Well, just hammer on the thing that you're really good at, right? Hammer on the things that, uh, w- with the circles you're in. So for, um, 
let's say you're a Cairo and maybe you're really into video games and you're really into uh, like Fortnite and things and, and just that kind of setting, right? Well, maybe that means you don't necessarily want to spend time talking about mechanical stress and progressive overload all the time. Fine, that's fine. I don't give a shit. There's plenty of people over talking about that crap anyway. But then it turns into like, well, can you step into a circle with your, your community of people on Twitch or your people that you play Fortnite with and you can be an authoritative, a, uh, a value add to that community to where the way you're going to communicate around someone who plays a lot of video games is going to sound different than me, right? Me, because I don't play video games. I'm, it's not going to, like, I'm not going to touch that audience very well. Like, it's going to come across as like, why the fuck are you playing 10 hours of video games today? Yeah. It's like, well, I make a million dollars a year doing it. And you're like, oh shit. All right. Keep doing you then, bro. Yeah. Right. But like, if you have someone who's like, oh, they're also hyper into video games and they also are a chiropractor. It's like, oh, like after like six hours, like my back is really hurting. Oh man, just get up and whatever that is. But your conversation is going to have so much more weight because you're choosing to talk to the audience that you actually have something in common with, right? Finding commonality is the most effective way for us to have a good conversation. Think about if you and I were sitting in the bar and just having a beer and someone walks in the door and you're like, wow, what a douchey looking dude. What is wrong? Ugh. Right? You just like, for whatever, they just give you a bad vibe. Take off their coat. I don't know why I did this, but they take off their coat and they've got like your alma mater on their, a, a t-shirt with your alma mater. Whoa, when did you go there? Wait, when you, what? And then all of a sudden you're like best friends. You're like, wow, I just went from like wanting to like punch you in the face and kick you in the shin to like buying you a beer. How did that happen? Oh, uh, we had something in common, right? So sure. people, if you're looking at fitness, there's plenty of people out there doing fitness. Go find someone that's got something in common with you, right? Yep. If they're also a big, like they love cooking, Dan, go down, the, go down the hole and find them, right? Like, oh, they, they like to teach fitness through cooking food? Dope, because you like to cook food. Or they like to teach fitness through um, playing games? Dope. There's a guy in uh, LA, Andrew Deutsch, and uh, Andrew runs a gym called Nerdstrong. And Andrew comes from being a creative director in an in a advertising setting, and he loves, you know, uh, like Harry Potter and Marvel and Dungeons and Dragons. And he was also a big fit. Like, he liked fitness. He liked to work out. And he had a buddy who was not um, this fit, was not into fitness, and he was trying to get him to be healthier, right? Mm -hmm. So he brought him over. Hey, man, let's come over. Come over and play uh, D&D. We'll have a cool night and do the thing. And he's like, but we're going to work out first. He's like, oh, all right. So he brought his buddy over to his garage. And because they're both like gamers and they love uh, uh, role-playing games, he's like, all right, man, we're in the garage. Uh, there's five goblins in the garage. To kill a goblin, you got to do five squats and five push-ups. And after seven minutes, five more goblins come out. And his buddy had a great time having this narrative story around the yeah, world. To smart. where Andrew built this dope gym in LA, Nerdstrong. And because he's in Hollywood, all of his members are like Marvel writers and work for Fox and Warner Brothers. So he has these elaborate storyline. So instead of a 12-week powerlifting program, it's the 12-week Harry Potter program that you go from learning how to ride your broom with a steel mace to killing Voldemort. And it's entirely like each week you have like different goals and different settings. I'm like, that's so freaking cool. That's awesome. And the amount of people who like, he's got 150 members in his gym who come religiously and they come for the workouts and they're excited about it. They don't want to hear workouts about, Hey, who can go lift the hardest, but they want to have a cool event around. I want to kill Bowser in the tower. Right. Yeah. And if I've got to do 20 medicine ball slams and, and 10 uh, alternating presses, then that's what kills the dude. Right. <laughs> So it's like, shit, if that's what resonates with you, go with that. So go out. So to recap, I know it's a long rant. Find, go out, move your body, see what moves, what doesn't move. Have a conversation with yourself around how you honestly feel. 
Because that gives you the power to say, all right, that doesn't feel good. How do I go get that better if I need to? And then when you start looking for someone to help you with your journey or walk with you on your journey or support you, whatever that is, find someone that's into the same shit as you. There's plenty of people out there, right? If you're into baseball, go find someone that works with baseball players. If you're into basketball, same thing, right? And that's inevitably going to have a different conversation than if you're on the opposite end, right? If me, who am a hyper sports and like go lift heavy weights, I'm probably not going to communicate well with the person who's like, I don't understand why you're trying to be competitive. I don't, why are you so loud right now? I don't, why, wh- wh- who cares about lifting that much weight? Who cares about who lifts the most weight in here? Whereas I'm like, a, oh my gosh, how do I rank myself against everybody else if I can't lift the most weight? Whereas that's not everybody's thing, right? Because I come from being an undersized athlete who's just trying to prove himself, right? So that's why I want to lift the most weights because I'm strong now, right? So let me prove my worth to everybody else in the room. But if that's not your thing, that's okay. But find the, find the zone, find your community. And I think just like anything else in our lives right now, the community aspect, right? You brought up CrossFit earlier. That's the power. And there's so many cool people doing such cool shit in fitness to where just find the message, surf until you find the message that resonates with you. One that doesn't make you feel stupid because you don't know the answer they're asking because they're using big words, they're using anatomical terminology. That's like, uh, I don't even understand what, what you're saying. Find the person that's talking about Harry Potter and, and uh, Marvel and, and squats and deadlifts that way instead of, you know, femur lengths and acetabulum and diaphragms and you know what I mean? And that's, I think that's a great starting point for people to not be so worried about having to be perfect at this game, to not worry about doing more than they need to do uh, and to just win the game of keep walking, keep moving forward, right? Move the needle forward. And uh, today you might just be doing a couple of bodyweight squats, killing goblins in the garage. And then in <laughs> six months you might be killing Bowser in a tower. You know what I mean? Dude, that's such an awesome business idea. That's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. He's so cool. I really, really like uh, Andrew. I met him through on it. And it was just like, it was, it was because I was that. I was the opposite of this. Like why talk about this? Because I came from like, oh my gosh, be hardcore and do the thing. Because that's how I had to find my worth, right? But to step into his spot, and I did a podcast with him. If you jump on there and you can go listen to the story about how he built it. Uh, I probably just butchered the story. But it was, it was really cool. And to be like, I've taught a seminar at his gym before. And to see how, cool, how pumped his members were to come in to uh, take a class after I taught a seminar there all day and to watch his coaches like taking the information and then wanting to translate that was so cool. And it was so empowering to, empowering to watch these people touch a whole other community I don't touch because mm-hmm. that's, their, that's their communication language. That's their love language is finding out how to reach those people and to finding the things that those people actually give a shit about, right? And to put it in a way that makes them want to be better in their own way. So to, so to back up the, cause I was, I always share this story. The, uh, the reason why I got into chiropractic was for a girl. I was going to be, a P- yep. I was going <laughs> to be, yeah, yeah. I was going to be a PT and my wife, Michelle was, she knew she wanted to do Cairo waitlisted for PT school. And I was in California just bartending thinking I'll go back to PT school and uh and you know it's more than that but i always just say that she was she was and that's what you were saying like pt's chiro's different lenses which they do and 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 we and, and, and prof- the best in both those professions really say if you're a good pt you're like a chiro if you're a good chiro you're like a pt because okay. they have they they like blending that um but <laughs> the long and the short of it is uh that yeah so she i was she was in school was like yeah this sounds cool i'll do it <laughs> 
It's amazing what we'll do for someone that we sexually are sexually attracted to. Like, um, oh, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's like let's do it. And now we're both kind of like, wow, both of us student loans and all of it. But no, it's it's turned out really well because in in you know, in reality, like, and that's what's different about the different professions too. There's there are solo PT clinics, mm-hmm. but it's a most of them go into a big clinic, right? Whereas chiropractors, most of them are all solopreneurs or building their own businesses to some capacity and for Mm -hmm. us it was perfect because it led us and then you know turning this full circle back to us doing the sacrifice of an entrepreneur it allowed us to live the life that we want to live we get a lot of time with our kids which is great and we've structured both businesses in that way which is good Mm -hmm. absolutely um so uh um, before I ask the last thing, uh, which I might, I might kind of throw in my opinion for it, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap things up? No, man. Hopefully, uh, I go on long tangents, but hopefully it was clear on uh, what I hope people inevitably do uh, and uh, get to, like, I'm not as rehearsed in these stories uh, around no, what I talk good. about. Uh, but yeah, hopefully it came across as it was understandable and hopefully I, people are inspired to um, start the journey wherever they're at. Yeah, no, it's great. So, so what I try to do is encourage a challenge for the listeners for the next week. And I think a good idea would be, as we talked about the last thing for the last, or for the last little bit is the body mapping. So mm-hmm. I think a good challenge would be spending five to 10 minutes. If you're not already doing this, but even if you are, you can dive deeper into it, spend five to 10 minutes every day and body map. You can go region by region, right? You can focus on a specific area, uh, but just get in tune, right? How, what do you think? Man, it's uh if everybody just took five minutes to move their bodies, we'd all, we'd feel a lot better overall. Right. Like I used to have a, cause I power lifted and Olympic lifted for a long time. I have a lot of this. Uh-huh. So my neck was always really stiff. And as I went through FRC and, and went through that education and like, I really just always was doing cars with my neck and just moving it consistently and just exploring that range to where now it's like, Oh, I actually have pretty good neck mobility. Yeah. And it came from just greasing the groove, just a couple reps here and there, sitting on the toilet, sitting on the couch, I'll move my <laughs> neck sit in the car right like shit like anchoring habits if that's when you do it do that um oh for sure and and what i think a lot of people don't realize is like you'll be able to take care of a lot of things on your own it's just most of us neglect certain areas and you i i mean i use the same medical terminology i'm like it's a little cranky it's a little stiff like when was the last time you moved it i don't know all right let's move it this way and report back to me oh it feels good yeah motion's lotion yeah. If you don't use it, you lose it. Exactly. And, that is the, it's, uh, and that's why movement is such a big thing, right? Walking can be a big one, but yeah, the, that's the joint thing is such a key one. Cause so many people like education's gotten better over the years to where it used to be, if you subluxed your shoulder in an overhead position, the terminology, a lot of people are probably pretty familiar with is don't put yourself in that position ever again. Uh, what, what do you mean? Don't put my arm over my head again. Right? Like, I got to grab plates. I got to grab a glass. I got to do the thing. I got to put a sweatshirt on. Right. And it's, that was the education for a long time. And so I think hopefully this is uh, where I want people to understand is don't worry about trying to move. Cause what we're going to want, you want to go to, you know, move in the greatest range of motion possible. And don't worry about trying to see how far you can move. Don't measure success based on how great of a range you can create measure success based on you doing it. And you did it pain-free. Yeah. Right? How you feel. Because if you move your, if you retract your shoulder and it lights something up in your neck, well, don't go that far back, right? <laughs> only go this far, you know, only go a quarter of that. Like, okay, that didn't hurt as much. Great. Just work with what you got there. And then the circle gets bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect, man. 
I love it. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking the time today. It was fun to, uh, uh, you know, we've conversed online quite a bit, but yeah. uh, meet face to face ish. So totally. uh, it's been it's been a it's been a pleasure, dude. It was great, man. I really appreciate it. great questions. It was nice to have a different style of conversation than I'm used to, and oh, good. Uh, hopefully, it came across okay with everybody. Yeah, I think it will. Awesome. All right. Thanks for joining us for the Movement Code podcast, guys. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed this episode with Sam Pogue. It was a pleasure that I got to chat with him today and he got to share so much time with us uh, sharing his wisdom and his knowledge. For those of you that are training at home, hopefully you got a little bit of insight and knowledge as to how you might structure a program for you. Um, you know, there's obviously a ton of different opportunities out there for you, whether it be apps or websites or anything like that. You know, there's coaches that are working remotely with people, myself included. So there's a lot of options out there if you're hitting a roadblock or you're not sure what to do, right? As we said in the pre-roll, we want to be more efficient with our time. So if one of the things that that makes it challenging for you for even getting your workouts in. We don't want to spend extra time on thinking about what we have to do. So there's obviously coaches out there that can help you out with that. Now, that being said, one of the big takeaways I want you to I want you guys to walk away with from this episode is the concept of healthy or not healthy. Sam references the book Atomic Habits talking about how our choices we can put into this category of is this a is this a choice a healthy person would make or is this a choice a not healthy person would make right so we're not there's no judgment in it right we're just trying to be more aware about the choices we make whether it, they're moving us in the direction that we want to move or not and since having this conversation with Sam, I've been doing this quite a lot with the decisions that I've been making, right? So for instance, we, we I'm going to tail off that Netflix episode. My wife and I have been jamming on Brooklyn Nine-Nine lately, which is hilarious if you have not seen it. But at night, we'll watch the show and, and then we're like, oh, damn, that was so funny. We want to do another one. And we have to look at each other and be like, okay, is this a healthy decision for us to do another episode or is it a not healthy decision based on the fact that we have not been sleeping well with our six month old and we just have, we just not been sleeping in general enough. So the decision is usually a healthy decision is to go to bed or not watch an episode at all and try to get to bed early. So something I want you guys to take away. Now, with that being said, also your challenge for the week is five minutes of body mapping. We talk about how so many of the issues that most of us are dealing with are just a lack of awareness to our body, but more specifically, it's just kind of like a stagnation, right? How many times over the last week, if, if ever, have you actually just done neck rolls, right? We're just doing simple neck rolls on a daily basis can improve your, your mobility in your neck, work on tight muscles or stiff joints, as well as decrease any sort of pain or tension that you might also be experiencing in the neck. So it just takes five minutes a day, pick different body regions. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no right or wrong as we were describing. Uh, you can do a longer time frame, whatever that is, but we're just asking you to do five minutes of body mapping every single day. See how you feel after one week, report back to me. I would love to hear how it is and then figure out how to tie this into your everyday routine. Okay. Thanks for tuning in guys. Move well. We'll see you next time.